Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. So let's get into this new series now. There's another way you can worship God, and that is with your character, how you respond, how you live. Um, title of this series is The Real You. Someone say, The Real Me. The Real Me. Let's go to Galatians 5.16, if you would, please. Galatians 5.16. This is all one big, long text, but I'm going to read it in two separate um, sections here. The first text it just consists of three verses. Now look at this. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the, tur- the church in Galatia. He says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Does everyone remember what Jesus said when he was introducing the Holy Spirit to his, his disciples? He said, the Spirit of truth is coming. He's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to be the comforter. He's going to be the advocate. He's going to remind you of the things I've said. So the Apostle Paul, it's tying right back into what Jesus said directly. He said, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Will the Holy Spirit ever guide you into sin? Will the Holy Spirit ever guide you into bitterness or hatred or unforgiveness or, or vengeance or to do something in anger? No. Mm-mm. It says, then, after you let the Holy Spirit guide your life, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. All of us, even as believers, you say, man, I haven't accepted Jesus. Well, there'll be time for that today. You say, I've never done that. But I believe most of the people in, in this room and listening on the live stream or on the, the recordings later on after the, after the fact, many of them are believers. But how many of you know that we as believers, we still got to deal with an old sinful nature, don't we? Old stuff, old weaknesses. Old stuff. Everybody has weaknesses. There are things that would tempt me that you wouldn't, you wouldn't even notice. Tempt me to make a wrong decision. There are things maybe that would tempt you to make a wrong decision. So, for example, and this is not bragging, it's just not a weakness of mine because I haven't jumped into it. Now, this can be a weakness of anyone's. People say, well, I'm an alcoholic. Well, everybody would be an alcoholic if they got started. Everybody. No, you're saved by grace through faith now. You're saved. By God's grace and your faith in Jesus, you're saved. You're no longer an alcoholic. That's the past. We'll get into more of the past later. But let me tell you right now, there's things you can just wave alcohol under my nose all day until I want to vomit. And it's it just, that's not something I'm interested in. I'm just not. So why? Because eventually, Look at point one today. This kind of ties into what I'm saying about alcohol, but it ties into other stuff. Eventually, my first point is today is how do you deal with, look at this big word right here. How does the real you deal with pressure? You say, man, well, drinking won't send you to hell. I never said it would. But if you need to do that right now, or you need to take a toke to relax, or you need to sip something to relax, what happens when trouble hits? What happens? What are you going to do then? Say, man, is Pastor Matt being condemning? Oh, no, because when troubles hit before, I've fallen into my weaknesses before. I've struggled in different areas with anger or whatever it was, impatience. Man, I struggle with those weaknesses. Why? Because when pressure is applied, we learn real quick, say, well, I know I'm no longer like this, but it's an old weakness, and God needs to deal with the real me. Someone say the real me. The real me, yeah. Say, man, why, Pastor Matt, why are we talking about this today? Because God has planned it. I believe he's going to speak to you. Let's go to Galatians 5.19 now. We're continuing on with this text. I've broken it up 
into two parts. Look at this. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Look at this. Sexual immorality. That covers all kinds of stuff. Impurity. Lustful pleasures. Idolatry. Sorcery. Did you know that word for sorcery or witchcraft is the Greek word pharmakeia? And it actually ties into drug use that opens the gateway to the spirit realm. They say, is Pastor Matt coming against drugs? Man, for my well-being or my faith is still there where I've got to work through. I'm taking a few meds. No, that's between you and God. I'm not one of those unless God speaks clearly. I'm not one of those say, drop all the meds right now. No, I don't know the situation. Meds, when used properly, they can help you along for a while, okay? Eventually, you've got to be able to turn that over to God, right, and trust Him. But sorcery here, you say, how can, how can witchcraft be a work of the flesh? Well, you tell me, how would drugs and alcohol be, become a work of the flesh? Remember one guy years ago? He was telling a story to a friend of mine. He said, man, I got so drunk one time, and he was struggling with it. He was at a party. He got so drunk... <clears throat> And some people said he hallucinated. Well, he may have opened the doorway to the devil big time. He, he was drinking. He left the party. I don't know if drugs were mixed in as well. He left the party. He cussed at a dog and tried to kick it, and the dog looked at him and cussed back. <laughs> Say, man, was he hallucinating? I wasn't there. It could have been a spirit, spiritual thing. could have been a demon. I don't know. You don't want to open yourself up to stuff. I've talked to my dad about this for years, and people around me have said, why start now? I, here we were, we went on our 15th anniversary, and people don't know. They're not as sensitive to the subject as we are in America, probably. You don't know if someone's recovering from addictions or whatever. We were at a wonderful place on the beach there, and first day, the guy's asking me if I want alcohol. I said, oh, no, and he asked me twice, I think. I said, we don't drink, and he said, I can teach you how. <laughs> I don't think I need anyone to teach me how. I think it would come naturally to whoever, right? You just drink. How stupid. Look at another work of the flesh here, hostility. Quarreling. Man, you apply some pressure, oh my goodness. Quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. See, I don't care who I got to step on or sleep with to get to the top. You ever met someone like that? I don't care what I got to do. I've been around people like that. I remember back in the day, I was in, uh, it was a mealy mouth version of it, but it was kind of corporate. It was a corporation that was national. And man, people were ghetto and crazy. Crazy. I'd go to, I remember I'd go to state meetings. I worked for a finance company. And it was amazing to me how interesting I became to everyone after they started drinking especially the ladies. I just got so much more handsome. What are you doing tonight? I'm like, <laughs> nothing, but if I was doing something, I would. Man, I, I remember telling people, hey, they said, which room are you staying in? I'm like, oh, I got to go. I'll see you later. All that, uh-uh, no, no, opening up the, the devil, man. Open up the door to the devil, man. This is works of the flesh. Look at this, dissension, division. What else? Envy, there it is, drunkenness, wild parties. One translation says orgies. Look that up. We're not going to get into it this morning. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone, look, I didn't make this up. 
Anyone living or practicing that sort of life will not what? Inherit the kingdom of God. So how can you be saved and practice that on the daily? How can you? Now, do we have weaknesses? Yes. Is this a message of condemnation? Never, brother. Never, sister. Never. No, but it's a message of warning because the world says, here's what the world says. The world will tell you this. The world will say, what about grace? They don't even know the Bible, but they'll say, what about grace? Can't you accept Jesus and live however you want? Nope, that's not what Scripture says. Was his blood really worth dirt? Why get saved? Why pretend to get saved if you're just going to live like the world? And it's crazy because the world, I've been noticing it. I'm not going to get into detail on what it is. But there are several things I've noticed in the world. They say, i got to be me. i got to be unique. i got to be this. I'm like, but you look like everybody else. You're acting just like everybody else. That's strange, isn't it? It's important, it's important that as you continue to put God first, you ask him to work on your character. Let me interject this this morning. Here you are in church, so this is great. Here you are listening to this on the live stream or wherever, this is great. But let me tell you this right now. This is powerful. I was reminded of this by the Spirit of God this morning as I prepared this message. You don't ever get your character worked on if you don't get in close connection to someone who can mentor and disciple you. You say, I'll work on my own character. I know, I've seen it. I've seen you working on your own character. <laughs> With no accountability? Uh-uh. I'm going to tell you right now, I grew up hating correction. I'm naturally proud. I know y'all are very humble people, but I was born proud. I was born an arguer and a know-it-all. I was born... I was born, I thought I was, I'm telling you, I was the light of mom and dad's life. I was their firstborn, and I thought, if you didn't think I was cute, you're weird. Part of the personality flaw, some of you outgoing people, y'all know how it is when you're an extrovert, the life of the party, you're like, you ain't digging me, man, what's wrong with you, right? You don't think I'm funny, what's wrong with you? Y'all know, those of you that got a lot of extra love and you just happen to be an extrovert, you're like, they don't like me, they must be messed up. No, it's just one out of ten people just won't like you. They just won't. I saw that this past week. <laughs> no matter how charming I am, some just ain't buying it. They're like, I don't like you. That's fine. That's fine. But I'm going to tell you right now, let me say it again. Let me say this carefully. You want God to deal with your character, you better get close to someone. You better get close to a pastor, a Bible study leader, someone who knows more than you. Don't surround yourself with psychophants. You know what psychophants are? Psychos? No, look up the word. A psychophant is someone who goes, oh, we're, worthy is your name, Matt. You're amazing. You can't do anything wrong. No, I have people around me that go, hey, you're tripping. I got married to a woman who loves me. We love each other. We tell each other the truth. There's times she goes, baby, this, I don't feel right about this. We could do better here. I got a dad in my life who's also my pastor. He said, hey, you can do better in this area. Here's how we can improve this. If you get out on your own and on your own and on your own and on your own and don't accept correction, your character never grows. I've seen those who haven't accepted correction over the years. They're the same person. There's a guy I know, and I love him. I believe he loves God. I've known this guy forever. And he's the same person I knew 30 years ago. Just about 30 years. Yeah, 30, about 30 years ago. Same person. Same. The same weaknesses never changed. Why? He never listened to authority. Say, why is authority in my life? <clears throat> I, remember, I remember working 
in the secular world before I started full-time ministry, and I had bosses that irritated the fire out of me, but I learned stuff from them. I had a guy to this, name, to this day, I can tell you his name. He was irritating to me. And you know what he always called me, and I don't know why. He just irritated me. His name was, uh, his name was I'm going to give you his first name. His name was Jerry. And Jerry knew more than me. He was older than me, but he was so irritating, and he would call me Mr. Matt, and I hated that. But he knew more than me. He taught me how to be a better collector. I, I used to collect for finance companies. He taught me how to use the computer system at that time. He taught me how to be, in some ways, he taught me how to be a better manager. I was a manager in training. But he irritated me. He, he was such a know-it-all. But I knew that he knew more than me. And people cancel people in this culture. They write people off and say, I can't learn from you. Uh-huh. Don't throw your mentor under the bus. Don't throw, don't throw who's taught you under the bus. Don't throw... Hey, you say, man, well, they're not saved. He's my dad, but he's not saved. He's still your dad. You say, that's my mom. She don't know nothing. She's not saved. She's still your mom. Did you know I've seen moms and dads give wisdom to someone who's saved and tell them, don't you marry that person. They're not the right one. And they were right, and they weren't even saved. And they were God's divine authority in your life because they're your parents. Seen it. I've watched it. And, and you know what? mentors and pastors and parents they put pressure on people i've met people who have never had pressure placed on them in their lives and they just can't seem to deal with anything you can tell that no one ever pressured them all dad did was pressure us for better or for worse right but here we are praise god but dad was like you, you've got till 10 a.m to do this I, i'm like why dad he's all I don't have time to explain. Dad, you know what dad would tell me? I don't have time to explain it to you. So just do what I, do what I say or you're going to be in trouble. Yes, sir. Pressure. And how do we, how do, how do we respond to pressure? I, I had a real fun day Friday. We, we were having a great day. Man, 15th anniversary. We'd come to the resort. The food was hit and miss. It was more missed than hit. Okay? Like, oh, man, we've got a great deal, but I don't know what's going on. If, cooks are taking the week off too or what but it was kind of weird the food on and off and I said man I just wanted to be a champion so I said baby I'm gonna go next door we discovered this awesome place on the beach it was about half a mile down the road I said I'm gonna you know what you don't feel like that gross lunch I'm gonna run over there and I'm gonna go man I was barefooted I had on my trunks I put on my long sleeve shirt because I'd already gotten a lot of sun so I took off jogging on the beach like Rocky. But it was more of a trot. Just kind of wasn't even really a jog. Well, I just texted my wife just so she, you know, we, we do this just so we know we're safe. I mean, we were out of the country. So I texted her and said, timestamp. Basically, this is when I'm leaving, exactly when I'm walking away from the place we're staying. Well, soon after that, I started jogging on the beach. And I passed a couple on the beach, and I went, No, I wasn't spanking myself. But I said, oh my gosh. And I turned back and looked, and my phone had fallen out of my pocket. And I looked back, and guess what? It was cool. It was like Rocky, right? I was running, and so the water was coming behind me. But guess what? My phone vanished. And just like that, find my iPhone from my wife's phone no longer worked. It disappeared. 
Say, someone got it. No, it fell into, like the pirates say, it fell into the drink. It vanished. So that, that bummed me out some, but I said, well, I'm always, and I thought, one of the first things I thought was, wow, I'm going to be speaking on the fruits of the Spirit, number one. And number two, I'm always telling people how good and bad smartphones can be. So here I am in another country, and my phone's lost. I told my, ba- my wife, I said, baby, don't lose your phone. We're going to need your phone. We're short. We're, we had two. We're down one. We're at 50% strength now. So still don't have a phone. We'll take care of that. But I thought, wow, how I respond to this says a lot. Learn this over vacation. We had a marvelous time, by the way. We had a marvelous 15th anniversary. It was so, so good. But we made some decisions right away. We said, this is going to be great. We're going to make it fun no matter what's going on around us. It's going to be great. And we had a great time. But I, I watched people at work and how they treated customers because they were under pressure. See, the protocols for COVID now, they're causing division now. Y'all have watched it? We talked a little bit about that. They're causing division now. Look, that's between you and God whether you get vaccinated or not. I'm telling you. But then the protocols of this and that and the mask and all that stuff, man, it's just become divisive now. And it's put so much pressure. We saw workers at this place, and there was other problems maybe before COVID. I don't know. But just the protocols they had in place, not everybody was pleasant about it. And I said, oh, they're under pressure i saw i saw at some point i witnessed firsthand a worker arguing with a customer okay it was me <laughs> lord i don't know if i was supposed to say that over dumb stuff like, what are we doing here? I thought, did we pay to stay here? It's free? It's your house? What? What's going on here? But what's crazy, though, is we've got to respond to pressure in love. That's what we're called to do. I'm not called to be everybody's dad. I'm not called to teach everybody. I'm not called to fix everybody. You ever felt the need? You're like, i got to teach everybody. i got to show everybody how to act. No, you don't. There are those that have been assigned to you and others. That's between them and God and their boss. I said, man, wow, okay. Pressure. Someone say pressure. You can learn a lot about yourself, how you respond under pressure. Just think about that for a minute. How do you respond to pressure? You say, well, I struggle with this, I struggle with that. That's okay. It's okay to struggle, but it's not okay to stay there. Everybody struggles in some way. Everybody struggles in some way with something, okay? You don't have to stay there. Now let me move on to something else. You can get to the place after you've talked to God and practiced it, practiced, man, your, your faith and your patience in tough times, your worship. We talked about a little bit about worship. Why is worship so powerful? Well, you get to practice your faith during trying times. You get to practice your faith in trying times. You get to practice your faith when you don't feel like it. I know y'all think me and, and dad and others who minister, they get on the mic and minister and say, man, they must feel like it every time. Nope, they don't. Mm-mm. You step out in faith sometimes and you speak the word God has given you because you may be going through some pressure. Say, well, I'm under pressure. I'm going to be hard on my spouse now. That's my, my excuse for doing it. Nope. Mm-mm. 
Treat each other kindly. Scripture says be gentle with one another, forgiving one another while you're under pressure. Okay? you got to respond the right way, but it takes, it takes some faith and it takes some patience to, to learn to respond well under pressure, and only God can help you do that. How do I work on my character? How do I do this? Just like I was telling someone this morning, someone who really loves God. I said the basics are, and y'all know this, prayer in the Word. Prayer in the Word. And the Word is not to be ignored. Say, well, I read the Word today, check. No, what did you read in the Word and how did God speak to you? Is he dealing with you in some area? Is he telling you to get connected to the right people? Is he telling you to get back in that right relationship with someone? Is he telling you to get back in that right relationship with him and keep spending time with him so he can work on your character? I'm going to tell you right now, this is probably the least popular thing in Christianity is God's going to work on your character. I guarantee you we're not going to have 500 people in here by the end of the series because they heard I was preaching on the real you. Mm-mm. So I move on to this now. Let God deal with you while you're under pressure. Let God allow you to be under pressure. Let your decisions, uh, you know, sometimes that just happens. You made a bad decision. Now you're under pressure. That's okay. But look at number two here. Your past. You are no longer a victim of your past if you are saved. Here's what saved is. Saved is you've accepted Jesus and confessed him as your Lord and Savior. You believed that he died and rose again for your sins. And now you say, God is making a change in my life. I'm going to do my best in certain areas. God's going to help me. I will be transformed. I'm not going to be the same person. And you cannot get stuck in your past. Someone say past. Everybody has a past. I remember back in the day people would say, hey, you know, they have a past. I'm thinking, wait. I've been alive more than one year, so I have a past. Everybody has a past. You made mistakes. You did crazy stuff. Don't raise your hand. You ever done something that was so dumb, you blush now when you think about it? Not y'all, huh? You're like, no, no, I've done some dumb stuff. And you get over it as you get older, but there's some stuff I've looked back and I went, wow, that was special good. That was great what I did. Wow. I'm being sarcastic. Did y'all detect that? Say, wow. Chalk one up for me. That's just great. No, we, we've all made mistakes. That's a pass. But look, hold on. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Isn't that good? If you stop evaluating others from a human point of view, it'd be a lot easier to forgive people. It'd be a lot easier to deal with people, know where people are at. Say, oh, you don't have to understand them, just love them. Well, that, it's harder to love someone if you can't even understand where they're coming from. It really is. Sometimes it's really hard You say, man, and you're not going to know everything about people, but if you can get to a place of understanding. Look at this. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a what? Why even get saved if your plan is to just claim Jesus and live exactly how you did before? Look at this. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Wow. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. How many of you know? Oh, I got a revelation of this. I closed my book quick yesterday and just about cried. Every end is a beginning. I wish I'd have come up with that. 
Every end is a beginning. I remember when mom went to heaven, dad told me, I'm on my third, I feel like I'm on my third life. I said, what do you mean, dad? He said, yeah, I had my life up to the military, was drafted, went to Vietnam, became a soldier, came back. He said, I married your mom, 43 years, right? 43 years, dad? 43 years. He said, that was my second life. And he said, now mom has crossed over into heaven and into glory. I'm on my third life. Every end is a beginning. Every end is a beginning. Every end is a beginning. Hmm. You say, man, that thing ended. I'm going to just bemoan that thing. I'm going to lament and just cry over that. It's over. That's over. That's over. Did you know the Lord told Samuel the prophet, said, said stop mourning over Saul. I'm done with him. Move on to the next one now. He has rejected me, so I've rejected him. Now move on to the next. And Samuel said, okay. God said, go anoint the new king now. I've got a king now who's going to be a man after my own heart. And guess who that was? David. But it's just, man, many times we're stuck in the past going, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, me, oh, my. You can't change it anymore. You can make amends. Even Alcoholics Anonymous teaches that. I love these, these programs that are solid and people really do the program and they put God in there, they put Jesus in there, 12-step program, whatever, but they, they acknowledge that there's a God and they begin to seek Him. They have to make amends in getting out of the old addiction way of life. They say, yeah, we did it, I did it, I messed up, but now that is the past and I'm making amends for now. And how, about, how many of you know it's not overnight? Sometimes people go, well, I'm done with that old life. Accept me just right now and trust me right now. There's consequences for the past. There are. I've had people come to know the Lord and say, man, I'm dealing with this stupid legal system, man, and the cops are out to get me and everyone's out to get me. And I'm like, let's talk about your rap sheet. Were you behaving as a criminal before? Well, yeah, but I'm saved now. I'm like, everybody hadn't gotten the memo, the email, the text, or whatever yet that you're saved. And you're just showing me right now that you're not ready to show them that you're saved yet either. So start to show and say, man, I got to prove that I'm going to just act religious now. No, don't do that either. Don't do that either. Let the light of Christ shine through you as you live out your new life. Others say, man, but I've made so many mistakes. There'll be some consequences, but I'm going to tell you right now, when you repent, God begins to cover those consequences with the blood of Jesus. He takes care of stuff. And some of you say, man, my past, you don't know how many X's I have. Aren't you glad there's only one X in the alphabet? But some of us, man, you know, right? Say, man, that's a tough deal, man. I don't even want to, hey, God is with you. One guy told me, I think I quoted this recently. I said, how long have you been with your lady? And he gave me a number. I don't know. He gave me a big number. but, And I said, y'all dated for 10 years before y'all got married? And he goes, yeah, but that's under the blood, brother. I said, you just told me everything I need to know and stuff I didn't want to know. I just laughed. He said, yeah, but those first, he said, yeah, but those first 10 years, that's under the blood. That's how he said it. That's under the blood. I said, oh, praise God. But dang, you've been with her that long. It's like 25 years now or something. And I, the first 10 was a down payment, I guess. <laughs> Everybody has a past. Everybody. I remember a guy I used to deal with him, and <clears throat> this just showed that th there's power in what you say. This guy, every time something would come up, he's like, man, if I acted like I did in the world, man, 
And he was always talking about that. Man, if you would have known me in the world. And I'm like, are you saved? Or we talk about the world again. One time, I'll never forget this. He said, man, if I lost it, they'd have to call in the National Guard and everything. He was just going to destroy everything. Well, eventually, he did leave God. And you didn't even know about it because the National Guard didn't go in. He got onto drugs and did a bunch of stupid stuff, went, wound up in county jail. Pretty soon he went to prison. He lost everything. But he was so stuck in that junk, the old junk of the past, it came back and got him. There were a lot of factors in that situation, but that was one of them. Stuck. Oh, man, if I lose it, man, I'm going to... What? Let's, re- let's, let's read this verse again. 2 Corinthians 5.16. I don't know who this is for. Come on. Let's read this again. We stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Look at this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. You need to get a revelation of that. It's time. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. A new life has begun. That's good news, isn't it? So you're under pressure, man. But sometimes we're under pressure from what's going on right now. Sometimes we're under pressure from our past. God says, hey, you got to get over that. Put that under the blood. Testify about it. But that's not you anymore. I've heard, I've heard testimonies before, and it's, it's people bragging about everything they did. I'm like, really? And I don't know that it's happened here, but I've been in places where I think people are just embellishing to go, no, man. You killed five people? I killed 35 in the world. You know, I blew up an island. And pretty soon, it's just a bunch of lies. No, no, no. Your past is testimony to bring God the glory, not us. People telling me crazy stuff like that, it's like, no, it's time to move on. That was not the glory. Say, man, when we were in the world, we had so much fun. I'm like, yeah, but you're boring to be around now because you don't put God first. You're stuck in the world. You're, you don't know where you are. You're between the world and now. And, man, but we, we, we had so much fun. Why can't you have fun now? Some people think God just called them to be religious. So I'm going to just button my shirt all the way up. And, man, I'm not going to do anything. No fun, no nothing. And that, that gets to be fake. That gets to be a fake image anyway. I have fun. You know, I told my mom one time. I said, man, lucky for you, Mom, I'm the prince of fun. She didn't believe it completely, but she said, you're pretty fun. So the pressure, the past, man, this, 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 this is part of the real you and dealing with stuff. Look at this, number three. We're not going to have a lot of time to get into this. Maybe I'll get into it next week. But this is perfection. Script, some scriptures use the word perfection, but it's really a translation of the word Maturity. A better translation is maturity. So let's go to Proverbs 16.31. Proverbs 16.31. Gray hair is a crown of glory. I'm getting a crown of glory on my chin as we speak. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained by living a godly life. Now look at that verse. What's gained by living a godly life? Gray hair? No, the crown of glory. At some point, you get to a place in God and say, I'm going to live godly and all that other junk. It just has to fall off. I'm going to be an example. I'm going to create a legacy. Let's go on to the next verse. I love this one. Better to be patient than powerful. I'm impatient about some stuff. Some stuff I'm annoyingly patient about. 
But some stuff I just don't have the time. I'm going to tell you right now. But it's better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. I've met people say, man, I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to be, And they should, man. People should desire that. Say, man, I'm going to lead one day. I'm going to be an example. But I've seen people talking about leading and leading and leading and never dealt with their character, never allowed God to deal with their character, and they don't realize that they can't lead others until they learn to lead themselves. How am I going to teach someone to get in the Word if I don't get in the Word? How am I going to teach someone to treat their wife right if I don't treat their wife right, my wife right? How am I going to teach them to submit to authority if I don't submit to authority? How am I going to do that? So the word perfection we're looking at here is maturity. Look at this one in the NIV. This will explain it better. James 1, verse 2 through 4. Look at what James says here. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. You ever been through some of those? Of course you have. You're human. You live on the planet. It's a fallen planet. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance or endurance or steadfastness. Or some would say testing of your faith produces faithfulness if you let it. All right? Let's continue on. Let perseverance or steadfastness or endurance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Some translations say perfect and complete. But look at this one, this is NIV, mature and complete, not lacking anything. I, I remember thinking back in the day, and this is just from a carnal standpoint. I remember thinking back in the day, I'd see, I'd see ladies dating guys who are way younger than them. I'm like, oh, here we go. That's going to be fun, right? How many of you know men mature a little slower than women or guys do, right? takes us a while. We're a little slow, but we're worth waiting on. Okay? People are looking at each other. Well, that's your sign of maturity then. <laughs> you mature slow. <laughs> You're immature. But I am so mature because I'm reminding you of how immature you are because you're a man. <laughs> the word don't lie. Check it out, man. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Do what you want with that. The real you. And how many of you know that immature people, especially beyond a certain age, they're dangerous? You guys remember that little blonde girl that, that disappeared in Aruba? You remember that 15, 16 years ago? You all remember that? Well, the guy finally admitted to it. He was a tall Dutch heritage kid that lived on the island. I guess his dad was a judge or something. They thought he, he thought he got away with it, right? Well, he went to Peru, and he was at a casino. We saw the documentary on it. And he did the same thing with another girl. And guess what? The Peruvians figured it out. And you know why he got angry with her? She thought he looked familiar, and I guess they'd been, you know, they stayed the night together or something, and she got on the Internet and looked him up, and she was trying to figure out who he was. He caught her, flew into a rage, and killed her. They did a psychological profile on him. They said, look at his problem. He's extremely spoiled and immature. They said that creates a very toxic, there's that word, dangerous and volatile human. So when he didn't get his way, he just killed people. Well, guess what? In Peru, they have something called prisons in Peru. 
And they're not like American prisons or Aruba prisons, I would assume. And I think, you, we sh- you should look it up. I forget the guy's name. He had a Dutch last name. You should look it up. Let's see if he's still, it, that's been about 15 years ago, but they threw him in a Peruvian prison because they caught him. Uh-huh. It came to haunt him. And all of that was, you say, well, his mind wasn't renewed, true. He probably wasn't saved. That's true. But he was very, very immature. Dealing with immature people is dangerous because they can't be told anything. Tell a baby in front of people, do you think they care who's looking? You say, no, you can't have that. Ah! They don't care. I'm going to talk about men. There's some men that never grew up from that. I'm going to talk about men because I'm a man. They never grew up from that, so when they don't get what they want, they try to destroy the whole world they live in. I'm sure that can go for some women, too, that are immature, but let me deal with men right now. And they say, well, no, it's their fault, and you made me mad. You made me mad? That's never a reason to be abusive or lose your temper. You made me mad. Uh Uh-uh. No, that is immaturity. And we as believers, in dealing with the real, our real selves, the real you, you got to learn how to deal with pressure with God's help. you got to learn how to put that past under the blood so you can stand firm in your faith. Use that as a testimony. And number three, you got to learn to reach out for perfection, in this case, maturity. How do you do that? Ask God to work on you. And that's a dangerous prayer, I realize. People go, I don't want to ask God to work on me because I don't want to deal with anything. Well, guess what? It's coming, honey. Life's going to happen, so you will be mature or immature, but the troubles, they're going to come. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, period. He said, but be of good courage, I have overcome the world. So here's your homework today. Start to ask God and take inventory about yourself. Say, man, where am I lacking? What am I struggling with? Say, what am I struggling with? Say, man, is it that same old thing I'm still dealing with it 30 years later? You need to give that to God. Let God work on you. Listen to somebody. Humble yourself. Get to the place where you go, man, you know what? This is right. I, I don't want to be this way anymore. Did you know that is a big, big step, even in the 12-step programs? What, what do they do? They acknowledge that they have a problem. Let me say, I don't have a problem. Everybody has a problem. They won't give me any more alcohol to drink. It's their problem. No. What? It's their problem. They won't listen to me. It's their problem. They made me mad. Mm -mm. The real you, and I believe the real you is this. Once you've accepted Jesus, the real you is, let's go to Galatians 5 real quick. Let's go to those fruits of the Spirit, Miha. The fruits of the Spirit part of Galatians 5, and I can tell you where they are. There you go. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Is that powerful? We'll get into this some more next week. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. I really need to wrap this up. I want you to listen carefully. Please don't be on your phones right now. I can say that from a place of authority because I don't even have a phone. So don't be on your phones right now if you still have one. Put it away. We'll deal with that in a minute. We want God to be able to speak to you. I don't want you distracted at all. I want God to be able to speak to you right now. Is there anyone at the sound of my voice who says, Pastor Matt, if I died tonight, I don't know where on earth I would go. I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell. I don't know where I would spend eternity. And if I'm asking you that, 
and it's giving you pause or making you hesitate, then God's been dealing with you about that already. Is there anyone in this house who says, Pastor Matt, I just need to get right with God. I need to accept Jesus. I need to get right with God. Is there anyone in this house? Raise your hand today. I'm going to pray with you. God bless you, sir. God bless you for your courage. Courageous people in this house. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? We're going to pray as a family. All right. Everybody in the house, raise your hands. If you would, right where you're seated. Raise your hands. Let's pray together. Let's repeat this as a family. Someone say, Heavenly Father, please forgive me of my sin. I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but I need help, Lord. Please forgive me. I declare and I believe that Jesus died and rose again for me. Forgive me, God. Cleanse me. Change me. Because I believe. And I can't do it without you, Lord. I believe that Jesus died for my sin. And now, according to my faith, I'm alive to good works and right living in Christ. In Jesus' name. I want everybody to look at me. I want everyone to stand on their feet. It's one of my favorite things to do here because I know that, I know that God had a purpose for every bit of Scripture we spoke about today. If there's anyone in the house who says, you know what, Pastor Matt, God was dealing with me about something today. Would you raise your hand? Because my hand's up. God was dealing with me about some stuff today. He's working in my heart, so I, I believe he's working in yours. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the family of God in this house. I thank you for the visitors. I thank you for those that come regularly. But, Father, I thank you for everyone here because it was a divine appointment. I thank you, I trust you, I believe you because I know you're working in our hearts. And I know, Father God, that you're not done with us yet. Philippians chapter 1 says, God will finish the work that he started in you. If you let him, if you let him, he'll finish it. Don't push him away, don't fight him, church, people of God. Don't fight him. There's someone in this house who says, you know what, Pastor Matt? I believe there's several of you who would admit to this and say, man, I know God's wanting to build character in me, but I've pushed him away in these areas just because I have not given him access to change me or deal with me in those areas. Or I've shied away from people who are trying to work in my life with God's help backing them. I've shied away from those who would correct me or help me along my way because I have too much pride for that. But you know what? God is working in your heart now. I believe he's softening your heart. Scripture says in Ezekiel, he said, when you call on God and you humble yourself and you repent, he says, I will take away your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh, a soft heart. That's you today. God is giving you a soft heart. And he's going to write his law on your heart. Say, man, I don't know the difference between right and wrong. Oh, you really do because God's already speaking to you by his Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, for the word that was spoken today. I thank you, more importantly, for the way it was received in this house by your people, the faithful, the called, and the chosen. I've got that backwards. The called, the chosen, and the faithful today. We're all called. 
Many are called, but few are chosen. And even of those who are chosen, even fewer are faithful. But God, that we would be found faithful in your house. So that one day when we stand before you, it would be well done, you good and faithful servant. You did great with what I gave you. We believe you today, God. I speak for your life, your power, your anointing over us. You're changing grace. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering today. Go ahead.